Hey there, welcome to the Literary Escapes podcast. I'm Becky and I'm glad you're here today. If you're a fan of books that give you an escape or let you explore other cultures, then you're definitely in the right place. So I'm glad you've joined us today. Stick around, we've got a great author interview for you. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Literary Escape Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with historical author Bryn Baranu. So let's jump right into the interview. Bryn Baranu, welcome to the Literary Escape Podcast. I'm happy to have you today. I am very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Becky. Oh, my pleasure. I We were just talking about how hard it is to put yourself out there. And as an author, especially when a lot of authors are introverts, and how necessary that is these days. Do you consider yourself an introvert? I consider myself, a few years ago, I read the term extroverted introvert. Okay. Um, meaning I don't mind speaking in front of crowds. I actually was a thespian, a high school thespian. Nice. Um, but then I need to recharge by being alone. It does yeah. not, it drains me. It doesn't energize me. Okay. So after I do these things, like, I will, after recording with you today, I will probably go sit quietly this afternoon and read a book to recharge. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. It's funny because um, I think a lot of people think that if you're introverted, you don't like people or mm -hmm. you don't like being with people, you're shy, that kind of a thing where it's, mm -hmm. it is more like how you recharge yourself. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of, but anyway, that I just found that <laughs> stuff interesting. So <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> so it, and looking through your blog, it looks like you started as a blogger. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so I was uh, a lifelong reader, like one of those kids who always had a book in their hand. Yeah. And there were family vacations where my parents like took the book away because I was missing like the city we were touring. <laughs> that was your punishment. Um, yeah. They're like, no, we are in San Francisco. You need to see the West Coast. We are stealing but I your read book. about it. <laughs> and exactly. I read about it. I'm reading a book set in San Francisco. I don't need to look out the window. Um, and but writing fiction, that just seemed like like a crazy um a crazy dream like saying I want to be an actress or I want to be a right. singer like I want to be a writer like that's not something people actually did yeah um and so I went to school for international relations and then I met my husband and moved to Brazil and I'm from Atlanta originally okay. so the was quite the change for me I would imagine. and I started writing creative nonfiction and posting it on a blog as a way to process my culture shock. Nice. Um, and at that time, Bill Bryson, like, and David Sedaris were my inspirations. And so I was doing these funny, like humorous, self-deprecating, like cultural observations and just processing, um, all my culture shock in transition to living in Brazil. Um, and then I eventually got pregnant and had my daughter in Brazil. And so there was now like a whole wow. new layer of like cross-cultural parenting. Right. Um, and, and the I, whole medical system. The whole medical yeah. system. And I actually, she was a preemie. It was in the NICU for four weeks. Yikes. And um, so I was doing all that in Portuguese. And I found this amazing community of um, moms, primarily mothers. There's some dads, but primarily mothers, um, multicultural kid blogs. Oh, cool. And it was parents who were had either multicultural families or were living and raising children in a culture other than their own. Okay. And it was this consortium of bloggers in a very similar life situation to myself. Yeah. And so I became a part of that and I was writing and posting on my blog. 
Um, but it was definitely, I contributed some creative nonfiction essays to some anthologies. Um, and that sort of built up my confidence as a writer and helped me find my voice. Um, isn't and it, isn't then- it funny how you can find community and, mm-hmm. or maybe create it? I'm not sure which, but um, in, in the day and age that we live in, technology has allowed us such a different way of creating our communities. Oh, for sure. Some of the moms I was most close to, the editors of the anthology, they were all over the world. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Yeah, they were in the Netherlands or they were in Germany or in China. Um, And yeah, so this community was entirely virtual, um, even before the pandemic. That's just amazing. I love that. I, yeah, it I have a book club and mm-hmm. it, it has people from around the world in it. And I just find that just amazing. And I love it. So, yeah. I think that is the really miraculous part of the internet, like mm-hmm. that allows us to find and build connections and find people similar to ourselves um, all over the world. And so we and you can feel just as close to them as you can, like the person that lives across the street or, you know, down the road or whatever. Yes. I love that. You can find someone who's going through your, a similar situation and they live in Ghana and you connect. Um, and so that, that whole being part of that community, that writers, you know, moms and writers, um, built up my confidence and I had some ideas for fiction and I was like, you know, Hmm try and um it also was sort of more a creative outlet after my daughter was born um because at some point I found writing about my real life challenges with parenting I was like I don't want to keep dwelling in the difficulties I need a bit of an escape right um so I turned to fiction nice okay so living in in Brazil do you speak Mm -hmm. Portuguese I did learn it. Okay. Um, my husband tells people I'm fluent. He's being very generous. <laughs> um, I say I'm functional okay. in Portuguese. That's like enough. I can go to the bank and yeah. I can, you know, being a foreigner there, I had to deal with the federal police. And so I could go to the federal police by myself okay. and, you know, work out visa stuff. Um, and all my daughter's doctors in Victoria, right. the city where we lived, did not have a huge tourist industry. So there was not much English. Did you um, have like the access to like Google Translate or something like that at that point? It existed. Okay. It is not great. Um, and yeah, I know okay, because okay. I taught high schoolers um, <laughs> and they, their classes were in English. And I could very clearly see when they used Google Translate to just translate a Portuguese sentence <laughs> gotcha, into English. Okay. It was very apparent which gotcha, students used Google okay. Translate for their essays. Um so, but I haven't used it for years. I know AI has improved a lot. It might be much better than it was right, eight right. years ago. That's funny. Um, so I know it was just my own brain and <laughs> um, and how much sleep I had the night before really affected right. my no, level I, of Portuguese. I, I hear the you there. My family and I were in Spain one time and my husband who doesn't know Spanish went to the grocery store and did a lot of pointing and trying to figure out how to explain. It is amazing how effective body language is. Yeah. Yeah. Body language is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can appreciate how um, challenging it could be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, especially all the different situations you found yourself in. That's really interesting. So your anthology that you were part of, that was once upon an expat. 
Yes, there was okay. there was once upon an expat. Um, and that was just essays from women living all over the world. And the only criteria was that you are living in a culture, not your own, like gotcha. that you did not grow up in. Nice. Um, and I mean, I wrote about going to the gym in Victoria. Nice. That was my, okay. so that's all fine. It was just like, it was just the culture of gym going in Victoria, Brazil. Um, and then the other essay, uh, anthology I was part of was knocked up abroad again. Gotcha. And okay. that was specifically about being pregnant and giving birth in a country or culture, not, right, your, own, not your own, that you don't consider your own. Right. Um, and so I wrote about my daughter being born at 33 weeks and having to go into the NICU in Brazil. Yeah. Um, but there were also, I mean, less traumatic essays. Now there were some very funny essays. It wasn't all like very serious essays mm-hmm. in that anthology. And I definitely process trauma with humor. So even my essay was kind of yeah. funny. So yeah. That's, that's a good way to process trauma. <laughs> if you can do it, I, I think. If you can, if you have that in you, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so what was the first fiction idea that came to you? I mean, how were you inspired? Yeah. You know, how does, how do ideas come to you, I guess? Um, well, my academic background was in cross-cultural communication. And so I am very interested I just naturally fascinated when people do things differently than I do. Right. Um, or And in Brazil, it was also just histories and stories that I had never heard of. And I had studied like international relations. I had studied like geography and world cultures at a collegiate level. And I was still, when I got to Brazil, realized I had zero education about right. Brazil. So the very first fiction idea I had, um, I decided it was going to be a graphic novel because oh. that is certainly the easiest way to get into fiction <laughs> when you don't draw at all. Um, yeah. And it, <laughs> How interesting. And so I wrote a whole script like for a graphic novel and it was a, a novel length. It was going to, would have been a novel length book. And it was about, um, it was inspired by the religion Candomblé, which is practiced in Brazil. Okay. And it is um, African deities that were brought over by enslaved peoples and okay. then developed into its own Brazilian thing. And they call them Orishas. And it was sort of a superhero graphic novel. I would never publish it today. It's 100% cultural appropriation. Um, but it really launched me into like learning how to do research and how to okay. structure a plot and nice. um, character development. What and just do age level art. were you shooting for at that? It was an adult. It was 100% okay. an adult. Okay. Um, and t- what and was the name of the religion again? Candomblé. Candomblé. Okay. Yeah. And um, and it is, it's practiced today. It's not a historic religion. It is practiced. There are Candomblé practitioners in Brazil. And so that led, and so I, I mean, I finished that, I edited it, um, I queried it. Wow. Um, okay. And it was not, I mean, it was my first fiction project. I, I did not get an agent from that project, um, but I got enough good feedback mm-hmm. um, and instructive con- and constructive criticism right. that it made me think I could do this. Nice. But I need to get better. I need more right, practice. Right. Um, and so then I wrote a young adult dystopian okay. and edited and queried that and got even better feedback, like nice. no offers of representation, but more feedback. Nice. Um, and were and you then, querying like around the world in Brazil? Oh, in I the was US? in Brazil. Yeah, it was all. Okay. Yeah, I thank goodness for the Internet because I could not have done this in the 1990s right. um, because it was all via email, like all the queries like. 
um, pitching that YA dystopian, I got a little bit of, you know, some positive feedback, won some contests through Twitter. Oh. Um, and oh. ultimately my agent was someone I had found initially through Twitter and interacted with and so through Twitter. Yeah. I've heard that and before. Was, and that's yeah, so I was in Brazil. Yeah, I was in Brazil wow. and I was okay. reaching out to agents in the United States. Okay. Because I knew I was writing in English and I wanted to publish in the United States. Right. Okay. That um, makes sense. And I cannot write fiction in Portuguese. My Portuguese. That would be, I can, yeah. I, I, English is my only language for writing. Yeah. Um, and so I was querying agents for, in the United States from Brazil. And then the third project was a historical fiction. And then and Jaguars that, and other game. That is Jaguars and Other Game. That one sounds super interesting. I I was looking into that one, and we may have a conversation about my book club. I might have you. I, <laughs> I was, might pitch I you love to come. book clubs. Okay. Book clubs are my favorite part of publishing. I've discovered. I've done three in in Atlanta, and I I love them. They're my awesome. favorite part. Okay, of we'll talk about that one. then. I'm yeah. I'm excited about that. So tell us about that story. Jaguars Another Game is a gender flip Three Musketeers set in 1809 Rio de Janeiro. And it was inspired by my love of uh, the Three Musketeers, Good Sword Fights, Pirates of the Caribbean, Princess Bride, and this completely unknown in the United States piece of Brazilian history. Um, The entire Portuguese royal family and 10,000 of their closest friends fled Napoleon to Rio de Janeiro in 1808. They wow. moved the entire Portuguese court to Brazil, and they established wow. a united kingdom of Brazil and Portugal. Wow. And it is the only time in the history of European colonialism that the European royal family moved to the colony and made wow. the colony the heart of the empire. Um, and I had never heard of that. That's Never. amazing. Yeah. I've it not is heard that amazing. One either, but... It's fascinating. So you have this bunch of European nobility and court members showing hmm. up in this tropical port city in Brazil. And I thought that was, yeah, it was too fascinating and too unbelievable to not set a now, story in. So Portugal's on the coast, obviously. Right. right. And mm-hmm. um, are they tropical? Portugal is not maybe the southern tip. I don't. I, I'm trying to picture my map here. Yeah, um, they're warm. I, I but I don't. Are they in the tropics? Technically, maybe southern Portugal might be in the tropics. Because I mean, it's close. Where's to like the tropic Africa, of like Cancer? Is that um, tropical? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, I, just curious because I don't equate that as tropical. So I guess I, that's, in my head, I definitely don't think of it as yeah. a tropical culture or city place right, um, right. but i mean because they will get snow in portugal and rio does not like rio maybe you need a light jacket in winter it can wow. get a little brisk okay um interesting huh and rio's so, got mountains and rio does have mountains rio is amazing get, okay um it does not get cold there wow. in southern brazil very southern brazil you can get a little snow in the very south of brazil but it usually makes the national news and they're like <laughs> I would oh, it snowed down south <laughs> um, i'm in florida so it's probably similar right. it's no exactly exactly <laughs> like that would be I mean, mountains, unheard of do, like yeah, rare, um very rare occasions we get snow and uh it's, you know, decades between. <laughs> but but Rio itself, which is where the book is, the book is set, does not get snow. It is okay. not snowy um, okay. ever. 
ever. Okay, Even so you've got this court that has moved to mm-hmm. Brazil, to Rio. Yes, yes. And and so my story takes place. So I just found that was that was amazing. Like, okay, so this is a story. And I started researching. There was some popular fiction about that time period. And, you know, the courts moving in, they're kicking. There's all these tensions between the locals and the recently arrived Europeans, the royal family. At the time, it was ruled by the prince regent um, because the queen had been declared insane. And so in Brazil, she's known as Mad Queen Maria. I, and I saw that and I was like, is that like, that's true. That's historically accurate. Yeah, that's, <laughs> okay. that's historically accurate. Um, Love it. Okay. Today, they think she probably had a severe form of bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, but in 18, you know, 1800, they did not have those right. terms or that knowledge. And so she was declared mentally unfit. Sure. And her son took over and ruled as regent. And her son is just, real life comic relief. I mean, it's just, and I, so I was reading about these over the top, like unstable Royals. I mean, and, right. and he was married to the princess at the time, hated him. Like she just wow. was like, had nothing but disdain for her husband. Well, they did she a lot of Spain. intercultural marriages. Yes. Just she was a Spanish. Yeah. Reasons. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was from Spain and just had nothing but disdain for her husband. And she was betrothed at the age of 10 and they actually married when she was 14. Um, And by all accounts, much more competent than her husband, Um, much smarter, um, but also way meaner. Um, (laughs) And so these, the Royal family was like amazing, just characters. It's like, I'm not creative enough to come up with this cast. That kind of, yeah. That's so um, fun. I love it. So they are all in the book, but they're not the protagonists. My protagonists are um, two women, two young women from Rio de Janeiro, okay. and then one young woman from Portugal who came with the royal family. Okay. And she is actually a maid to Mad Queen Maria. She's in service to Mad Queen Maria. Um, so we have Vitoria from Portugal and Maria and Isabel from Rio. Okay. And they are my tropical three musketeers. And the nice. book revolves around them. Okay. And so they have an adventure, presumably, if they're the three musketeers. Yes, I pitch the book as a historical adventure. That's why nice. I call rather than just historical fiction. I say it is a historical hist- historical adventure. I love that. Um, we so, need more adventure. Uh, I, <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, it came out, I wrote it and finished it before the pandemic. So I can't say oh. that this was an escapist inspired right. by the pandemic. But I... I love those fun adventures so much. Absolutely. And so often it is almost entirely a cast of men with like the one token female friend. Yeah, and she's purely sexy. The girlfriend who gets to go along because she's just tough enough to fit in with the crowd. And I was like, but I'm a woman and I have like kick-ass friends. So I think, you know, I I want it to be all women. I love Um, that. And so a child lifelong friend of Maria and Isabel's is wrongly accused and arrested for murder. Okay. And they are people of color. Maria and her friend Mateos is are black and Isabel okay. is mixed race, Guarani and white Portuguese. And they know the only way they're going to get their friend out of prison is to find the real murderer. So the whole book, the adventure is them tracking down, hunting the real murderer in Rio to try and save their friend from execution. Nice. And very early in the book, they meet Vittoria, they rescue her, 
and she becomes their in into the court. And so they work together and the whole book, they are trying to save their friend from execution by finding a murderer. How fun. I love that. And so that one came out just recently, right? Came out in November. Yes. Nice. Okay. Okay. And so have you got another book that you're working on? I am actually out on submission with a book right now. It's another historical fiction and it's a star-crossed lovers set on Henry Ford's Amazonian rubber plantation. Wow. Okay. So in the 1920s, Henry Ford bought a piece of the Amazon rainforest the size of Delaware and decided he was going to make his own rubber for his car. He was going to grow his own rubber. Um, of course. <laughs> and that's what he decided. I mean, he was the richest man in the world uh, by Why the not? end of the 20s. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a piece of the Amazon and grow my own rubber. And so he tried to build, he didn't just try to make a little plantation. He tried to recreate a Midwestern town wow. in the middle of the Amazon and shipped down prefabricated homes, shipped down wow. school buses and white picket fences and shipped down all his managers from um, Iron Mountain and Detroit and sent them to the Amazon to try and have an industrial rubber farm wow. in 1928, this is 2019. based on a true This story. is true. Okay. This is true. Um, my, my protagonists are fictional. Again, right. I really, I, I seem to pick a real place and real yeah. people, create real fictional events. protagonists yeah. to exist in that real time in history. I love that. Um, and so that's, yeah. And so we have star-crossed lovers on Ford's rubber plantation nice. in the Amazon. How fun. And now where, yeah, so, which country is the Amazon? Cause I, it's in the Brazilian section. It's okay. in many countries in South America, yeah, but yeah. Uh, mine, but this was in Brazil. Henry okay. Ford, the okay. piece of land he purchased was in Brazil. Okay. Um, and it was another amazing historical fact that I only learned by living in Brazil and Brazilians are like, Oh, have you been to Fordlandia? And I'm like, Fordlandia, I've not even heard of what is that? And they're like, well, it's the remains of this town that Henry Ford built in the middle of the Amazon. And I was like, Henry Ford built a town in the Amazon? (laughs) And yeah, I mean, there was tennis courts and a swimming pool. And yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And so was this town successful? No. (laughs) Okay. I mean, as crazy, like if it sounds crazy, yeah, it was. And it didn't really work. Um, And Sort of like both Jaguars and Other Game and the book I have on submission sort of look at critique the lack of humility by those in power. And um, it's definitely a critique of um, Ford's, you know, just undying belief and certainty and his ability to know everything and do everything better. Yeah. Um, because he was successful in some areas, he just assumed he always knew the right thing to do and right. was very uncompromising. Mm-hmm. And the company's like lack of humility, humility definitely planted the seeds that the city inevitably failed. Um, but my story takes place in like the first two years okay. of the the town's Fordlandia's founding. Okay. Okay. So how, how hopefully, hopefully we thought we, we just went on submission. Um, okay. So well, hopefully we get to read that. That would be December, fun. So hopefully like fingers crossed. If that sounds interesting, you can go buy Jaguars and other games and get those sales numbers up. So when yes. marketing departments look at me, cause man, traditional publishing, they're like, it's all about the numbers. They want to say it's about art, but it's a lot about, I mean, it's a business. It's, it's a, a business. business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a business. And that's one of the 
interesting things if you're going to be, whether you're self-published or traditionally published, you still get to do a lot of your own marketing. Oh, and it's, it's a lot of hard work to go into being an author. I'm very good at writing. I am not a publicist. Like that is not what I study. That's not where my skill set is. So that's been a whole new like job I've taken. It is a job since getting a publisher. And and I am traditionally published. It's a small press, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I still did like all my own marketing yeah. and publicity, pretty much. So you're with a press here in Orlando, right? Yes, Orange yeah. Blossom. Ariel. Yeah. yeah I've yep. Ariel. met her before. She's very nice. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's great. I love that. I love that. Um, so are you writing another book right now or just working on I a- have a couple ideas. I have a couple ideas I've outlined. Okay. Um, and like have some sketches and started doing research. Because one is historical fiction again, and I tend I to find a time period or a setting that I'm interested in, and then I start researching. I start okay. reading about it, and then the story comes out of the research. Okay. So, okay. Um, and then and are you the sticking first... to Brazil or are you branching no, out? No, no. Okay. This, this idea is um, in medieval Europe, like medieval oh. France. Okay. Um, but then I have another idea. I'm said I like. I think a lot of authors will have multiple ideas. Mm-hmm. They start kind of pursuing and then a character or a scene for one grabs you and then you yep. just keep going and, and you you're go. like, well, this is this is the next project. Um, so the other project I'm kind of flirting with is a locked room murder mystery, Ooh. which I love to read and I'm not sure I'm smart enough to plot because the plot is so intricate for one of those. And That's I was like, a, yeah. wow, that would really push my my skills. That would be interesting. Um, yeah. I've, I've thought it would be so much fun to write like a cozy mystery or something, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. idea of like, you have to have, you know, somebody murdered potential, you know, presumably red herrings, mm-hmm. some sort of a, you know, looking for how you, how you figure out who it is, you know, I mean, yeah. And I, then deciding sure like what information, <laughs> yeah, the order that the clues fall right. so that it feels realistic and like pacing of how much information the reader gets. Exactly. Um, but then I would really want it to, once the mystery is solved, the reader be like, could go back and see that, yes, the clues oh, were there yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because I hate, what I hate more than anything is when like some like, deus ex machina some crazy thing happens at the end that you could not have seen coming right. the killer is this person that wasn't even a wasn't character even in the, story the whole time whatever. wasn't yeah. even in the story until yeah. the end um yeah, I I, that like drives that me either. crazy yeah. i hate that i was like yeah. that's lazy like, <laughs> it is um, yeah i think it's lazy i think it's easy writing mm-hmm. um so i would definitely want to create a plot where like the reader could go back and see that oh yeah like the clues were there the whole time right and right. Um, that would be fun. Yeah. But it is very hard. So like, I'm, I'm a little intimidated. So I have ideas. I've like done okay. a few character sketches, but I've been a little intimidated and, um, to actually start trying to write that plot. Cause that would definitely have to be plotted in advance. I don't right. think you can pants a lot. I don't, that would be really Maybe hard. some people do if you're really yeah. a genius. Um, yeah. but you'd have to go back and layer in the clues. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Reese Bowen a couple of years ago who writes historical fiction and mysteries mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that she has a long hallway in her house and she had to lay all the different scenes out. And you figure have out. To. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that I'm very visual. So that, yeah. that spoke to me of, 
you know, having to lay things out and so you can and actually to physically see, see all the beats. Exactly. I do it with note cards. I yeah. do note, I write every scene on a note card and lay it out. Yeah. See if something's too long or if some information needs to come earlier and physically move the cards right. around. Right. Yeah. It's so helpful. It is. It is. I, yeah. Cause I, I have to see and feel things as well. So it's, um, that's interesting. So when you read, what, what do you like to read? I read all over the place. Um, I will read, I mean, I read some historical fiction, um, admittedly less if I'm right in the middle of writing right. that I will read yeah. outside the genre I'm that writing, but I also love, I love thrillers. I like literary fiction. Um, I will read, um, I love graphic novels and science fiction fantasy. Um, nice. like I really will read pretty much everything. That's um, awesome. Actually, right now, I, I just finished recently a thriller, The Writing Retreat. Uh, I'm on my next up to read is um, The Woman with the Cure by Lynn Cullen, which is historical fiction. Okay. And The Writing Retreat was good. That was definitely a thriller. That's a great beach read. Um, but my favorite read this year so far is, I don't know if it's literary fiction. It's sort of historical. So it's like the 80s and 90s, but it's Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I've heard of that so one. Somebody else good. mentioned that one. So good. Amazing. That's so um, interesting. It That's the kind of book where I put it down. I'm like, that's how I want to write. Like, I want to write as well as she does someday. Yeah, that's a, um, that's really cool. I'm going to have to check it, that one out because yeah. that's twice, two people now that I've spoken that, to. It's, it's amazing. It deserves really all cool. the praise. It's gotten a lot of hype. It was a Jimmy Fallon's first, like the inaugural book pick for his book club. I didn't even know um, he had a book club. I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> it deserves all the praise. It's very that good, cool. I thought. Okay. Very cool. So where can readers hang out with you? Are you on the socials? I am on the socials. Um, you can you find have me to on be, Instagram. don't you? <laughs> you have to be on Instagram. Yeah, you have to be nowadays. Um, Instagram by far is my favorite social. Okay. Um, I just find it of all the social medias, like the most positive place of them all. Like, nice. Um, yeah. And and I don't do video. I'm too old to do video. I don't do TikTok. Like I don't. <laughs> sorry, I, that's not me. Like I, I only you, have yeah. so much energy in a day, and I just <laughs> I just can't do. Dances and like so, um, but I am on Instagram, okay, and I am also on Facebook, okay. and I do have um, I do have a blog, although I haven't updated it recently because I just took on a full time job. Oh, and um, but you can find me on Instagram at Bryn Barino. Um, it's okay. my full name, B R Y N N B A R I will you Bryn Barino. I'll link that and, in the show notes. And, and you have um on your website it looked like you had an email is that yes you can at bryn at brynbarino.com so if you want to shoot me an email do you have a newsletter i guess is i do and you can sign up for the newsletter on my website which you can go to brynbarino.com it's my name um also it will link to the old website bryn in brazil which is i saw that yeah um i haven't I am not tech savvy. I don't know how to totally make that name disappear because um, I'm no longer in Brazil. I'm back in Atlanta since the nice. pandemic okay. with my family. And so it's not totally accurate, but brynbarino.com will get you to my website yeah. and you can awesome. sign up for my newsletter and that will tell you about events I, I have coming up or book signings. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. And I know like in the fall, like things have kind of slowed down for the summer, but in the fall, I'm doing an event at Gwinnett County Public Libraries and I'll be doing a joint event at Foxtail Books, one of the great indie bookstores in Metro Atlanta. 
Nice. Um, nice. I love and Atlanta. Atlanta, it is Good such town. a literary city. Yeah. Like Atlanta, really, we have so many amazing independent bookstores. Karis Books, the oldest feminist bookstore in the Southeast, is nice. in Atlanta. Okay. Little Shop of Stories, one of the best kids' bookstores in the country. Um, Foxtail, uh, Acapella. I mean, I could keep going. That's but I awesome. <laughs> and there's, yeah, so many great authors. It's a great literary city. That's fun. I'm, it is my hometown, so I might be biased. Well, but I think it's fun living city. in that too, and yes. visiting that. That's I think that's a really cool thing. When I visit cities, I always look for bookstores, and yeah, um, my book club we go to different destinations each mm-hmm. month. Oh, fun! And so we've been around the world, you know, quote unquote, in mm-hmm. our books for the last two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great, um, I mean, books, books are such a great way to travel. They are. And Mm -hmm. the different genres give you different pieces of a Mm -hmm. culture and which I, I find fascinating. So, Mm -hmm. um, we haven't visited Atlanta yet though, in our books. And so I'm going to have to do a little digging on that one because I really do enjoy it. Atlanta just in general, I think it's Mm -hmm. a really fun place to be. So that's fun. Well, Thank you, Bryn, for being here with me today. This has been a lot of fun. It has been fun. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escape Podcast. If you enjoy hearing the behind the book story, then join me in the Literary Escape Society. We are a community of travelers who love books or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.